May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Today is Stewardship Sunday. For those who may be unfamiliar with this idea, this is a day that we set aside to be intentional and to think and to pray about our giving. This is often done in conjunction with the pledge season. We passed a budget at our annual meeting a few months ago, last month, and pledges act as a way for you, the parishioners of St. Paul's, to pledge what you plan to give over the next year. It's important as Christians, those of us who have been given much, to give in return. I was, as I was sitting with the text this week and thinking about the stewardship season, I was reflecting on one of my favorite films, which is a movie called Calvary. And in it, Brendan Gleeson plays a good country Roman Catholic Irish priest named Father James. And at one point in the film, his church burns down. I don't want to give too much away because I really recommend that you see it. I always recommend anybody who's discerning holy orders or who's newly ordained that they go watch this film. It's the essence of what being a priest means. But there's a scene where the priest is called to visit the home of a millionaire banker who attends his parish. And the man reveals that his family has just left him. He's drunk. He's feeling uh, rather gregarious. And he tells the priest, I don't feel anything. And he tries to impress the priest with all his wealth. And so he takes down the most expensive painting he has in his very big house. And he urinates all over it. Knowing that the church is burned down, this wealthy man offers the priest money to rebuild it. He says, oh, I can give you 10,000 pounds or 15,000 pounds or 20,000 pounds. It doesn't matter to me. And the assistant priest that this, the Father James works with is very impressed. Oh, that's wonderful. We're so thankful that you're willing to give any money to us at all. To which the Father James says, well, if it's nothing to you, make it 50. <laughs> In other words, he wants this man to give until it hurts. And that's an important principle in giving. And it looks different for each and every one of us. In fact, Jesus tells that story of the poor widow who gives two pennies. That was a significant amount for her. And Jesus says that she gave more than the wealthy who gave great sums. Our reason for giving and the theme of this year's stewardship season can be found in our Old Testament reading and comes from one of the offertory sentences in the prayer book. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. The passage in which that verse is ensconced is set near the end of King David's tenure. His successor, his son Solomon, has been lined up, but there's still one big project left to do, to build the temple. David, of course, you may remember, was not allowed to build the temple. God didn't want him to, but this doesn't mean that David couldn't contribute. And so in what was the first Stewardship Sunday liturgy in the history of the world, David reminds the people of the awesome responsibility of constructing the temple and exhorts them to give and to worship God. And David sets the example in all this. He gives of his own vast wealth. He says, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for, thy whole, for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and of 7,000 talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the houses with all, the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver. 
And in his response to his example and his urgings, the people also give of their wealth to the cause of Israel's cultic life, their worshiping life together. It's in this context that we can really look at what David says. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. It's very important that we remember God does not need our giving. Everything is already his. He has no need for anything outside of himself. We give to remind ourselves where our true allegiance lies. If you want to know what's important to someone, look at how they spend their time and their money. We give as a way of being reminded that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. That's why the priest from Calvary tells that wealthy banker he needs to give more. That man needs to be reminded that just because he's incredibly rich doesn't mean he's in control. That's the great illusion of wealth. It's also why the widow, even in her poverty, is lauded for giving what might seem like a meager gift compared to the others. She recognizes what the wealthy banker can't see, that nothing is really ours. We're only stewards of it for God. And the question is, how will we steward the various and manifold gifts that he gives us? And so in conjunction with their pledges, it's also important to recognize that the people of Israel offer sacrifices to God. And there are two sacrifices mentioned in the text. There's the burnt offering and the drink offerings. Burnt offerings were animals offered to God on an altar, and they would be burned completely. There would be nothing left over. Whatever ash was left over would be disposed of outside of the temple. The burnt offering was a sign of complete submission to God's will. It brought about the expiation of sin. The drink offerings were made of wine or strong drink, which were poured out into the ground near the temple mount. And it's interesting to note biblically that this offering was only allowed to be offered in the promised land because it was part of the Sabbath rest that God had given his people. And wine is a, is a sabbatical drink. This sacrificial logic that undergirds both of these sacrifices is deeply embedded in the scripture, beginning all the way in the Garden of Eden. God fashions clothing for Adam and Eve from the skin of an animal. A living creature had to die because of Adam and Eve's sins. And of course, there are sacrifices offered to God throughout the book of Genesis, but maybe you've been like me and you start your year-long Bible reading plan and you get through Genesis fine and you get through Exodus fine and then you get to the book of Leviticus. And the book of Leviticus has all the lists and details and rules of the various kinds of sacrifices that the people of God were supposed to offer. It's actually quite a beautiful book if you begin to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Ultimately, however, this sacrificial system finds its culmination in the perfect and spotless Passover Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For the great gift of our redemption, what could we possibly give him in return? Nothing short of ourselves, our souls, and bodies. And even that's not really enough. But we give back to God, not because we think our gifts can equal his in some sort of tit-for-tat exchange, or because we think that God really needs what we can give him. Rather, we give because we love him. And so if your plan is to fill out a pledge form because you think it'll make God love you more or because you want a nice tax deduction or because you like supporting local community organizations like you might support NPR or a local politician or something, then don't. Don't do it. 
address that underlying problem, but be aware that God doesn't need it and his church doesn't need it either. What we give to God should come from our adoration and love for him. A final thing to point out about our reading. Israel was in a simultaneously exciting and scary place, a moment in their history. They were in the process of a regime change, which up to this point had not gone very smoothly in their history. People, of course, don't like change, and a change in king is a major change to get used to. It has quite a bit of bearing on your day-to-day life. And they were beginning this great project. And as you heard David say, Solomon is still young. He's still green. He's still inexperienced. And so in giving their goods and offerings, the Israelites were really trusting God. And I think there's a little parallel between what was going on there and what's going on now. The church in general finds itself in a great moment of transition. Our culture is changing. Fewer people attend church regularly than they did 20 or 30 or 50 years ago. But just as the temple was a really important and necessary way of fomenting Israel's national identity in a time of uncertainty, so our ancient worship gives the church her identity in a context where it's sometimes unclear what the future holds. By giving, we declare our desires, our security, our future to be in God's hands. And really, there's nowhere safer for us to be. God will be faithful And in response, we're called to have faith, a confidence in God that's made evident in our allegiance to him. And so today, we're not called to give a dollar value. We're called to give our whole selves. And to help us understand that, we break it down into different categories. We talk about giving God our time and our talent and our treasure. We give him our time. There are how many hours in the week? 168. How long is our Sunday service? An hour and 15 minutes, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how long-winded the preacher is. That is 0.005% of your week. If you work a full-time job, 40 hours a week, you give your employer almost a quarter of your hours for the week. And of course, we need to work. There's nothing wrong with that. What I'm trying to say is that we should see that there's room beyond Sunday mornings for us to spend time with God to attend studies, to attend fellowship events, to attend the daily offices and mass. These are great ways to give God our time because those are opportunities to adore him, to learn about him, and to grow in relationship with him. A second thing that we can give God is our talent. St. Paul tells us that every Christian has been endowed with spiritual gifts. He describes these various spiritual gifts like parts of a body. We need all of them for the body to function healthily. That means that only you can be you. You have your own gifts that we, the church, need. And so ask yourself, what spiritual gifts do I have? How can I utilize those gifts here at St. Paul's? And it may be that you don't even know. Maybe you've never thought about the spiritual gifts and and your role in them. And that's okay. If you need help, come talk to Father David or me and we'll we'll be happy to walk with you as you discover that. And next Sunday, we'll have our ministry and committee fair. Various chairs and committees and ministries will be here with giving out information about what they do. And so go through that and prayerfully listen to see if God is calling you to do something more than you already do. And finally, there's treasure. 
In the Old Testament, the Israelites were commanded to give 10% of their assets to God. And this is a good goal for us to shoot for today because as the church, we are Israel. Now, you know what giving financially can look like for you. But it's important to remember that if we're giving God our whole selves, that includes our checkbooks. We can't compartmentalize, oh, God can have my time, but not my treasure. And so I would encourage you to pray about what God wants you to give, not out of a sense of legalism or a sense of striving to get God to notice you or to to love you more, but because you love him. We love him because he first loved us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.